This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mark Grether. He's the CEO of Seismic, and he focuses on guiding the company and accelerating the growth of the business. Before Seismic, Mark was co-founder and global COO of Zaxis. Under his leadership, the company grew into the world's largest programmatic media company with over $1 billion in revenue in five years. Mark, are you ready to take us to the top? Thank you. Good. Thanks for being here. First off, did I get the last company, the pronunciation correct, that you were COO of? Yes, of course. I'm, I'm a CEO of Seismic. I, I joined the company actually a year ago on the day today. Uh, and as you can imagine, it was an exciting time that we went through the last year. We acquired Rocket Fuel. We combined both businesses, Seismic and Rocket Fuel, under the Seismic brand. And now we are the largest independent buy-fi uh, platform for advertisers and agencies with about uh, 1,600 employees globally. Uh, How many? 1,600. Okay, 1,600 what? Sorry. Uh, employees globally, yep. uh, and we now do business in uh, 70 countries. So we are truly global business, uh, and we serve about 20,000 advertisers worldwide. 20,000 worldwide. And walk me through some of the rev- revenue model here. Other buy-side platform CEOs I've spoken with and others in the space like Bill Wise at Media Ocean are kind of exploring um, uh, adding a SaaS component to their typical transaction fee model. Are you doing that? And tell me more about your revenue model. Of course. I mean, if you think about Seismic and the legacy of Seismic, right, you always was a SaaS model. Uh, Seismic grew as the largest uh, independent ad server, right? And as such, we always applied a, a SaaS model. And now if you look at the combined business and you may have seen our recent push into total transparency, it is really all about um, our platform business. So we now operate a self-serve platform, uh, which allows advertisers to run programmatic campaigns themselves. Uh, and they have the opportunity to tap into our AI capabilities. So one of the um, biggest um, kind of differentiators for us is that we do not only have uh, the global platform uh, and we do not only have now a fully integrated stack, which has a DMP and a DSP uh, and a nerd server, but more importantly, also we can bring everything together uh, powered by AI. Uh, and that is really kind of unique. That's kind of one of the key differentiators. And you're absolutely right. We offer that product uh, in a SaaS capacity to advertisers and agencies. Yeah, the seismic acquisition was last year. I think you guys paid somewhere around, what, $2.50 a share, and value, which valued the company, I think, then at like 145 or something like that. Was the AI component of what you're doing a key reason behind that acquisition? And if so, how has that acquisition panned out? Um, absolutely. So AI uh, and the strength uh, of the platform was one of the reasons why uh, we acquired Rocket Fuel. But more importantly, if you talk to advertisers, right, what they really want to have is one uh, platform 
that they can use to do everything in one single stack, right? They don't want to have a Frankenstein any longer where they have to uh, stitch t- uh, things together. They really truly want to have a, a one platform, which is simple, which uh, they have control of, which provides them the transparency that they need, right, to run campaigns globally. Uh, and at Seismic, where we're missing actually the DSP component, so we acquired Rocket Fuel, uh, and that allowed us now to open a lot of doors. Uh, and we've seen a lot of inbound uh, requests from really global brands who now want to do more business, not just on the ad serving side, but also on the DSP and DMP front, because they believe as much as we do uh, in the power of an integrated platform. Got it. And on, you mentioned earlier the number of folks that you're serving in terms of buyers. Uh, what are they paying on average per month and what kind of tech or insights or, or AI are they getting for what they pay? Uh, it's it's very different, right? It really depends on the size of the campaign and the scope of the products and services that they rely on. Uh, so, for example, uh, we have a fully transparent rate card for our DSP product as much as we have it for our ad server and our DMP. And in some cases, then, our advertisers and our agencies are pretty happy using their own sense on the keyboard. But in some cases, they actually would like us to run the campaigns on their behalf. And then we have a, a transparent rate card for the services as well. And actually, one of our other key differentiators is that we do have about 500 employees who are just dedicated on on services serving our advertisers and our agencies. And as you can imagine, that is really unique because we do actually have boots on the ground, as as, as I mentioned, in in so many countries. Uh, And as much as, you know, we all talk about technology, AI and data at the end of the day, it's still about people. It's still about interactions between our uh, great service uh, uh, members, team members, as well as the advertisers and agencies. And so, therefore, the human aspect is really important for us. Uh, and it's also, again, one of the key um, things that we can be proud of, that we have such a strong um, service organization. Now, walk me through some of the economics of what you've uh, kind of what you've driven. Now, you said over your history, you've always been a, a or you've at least been a SaaS platform, generally speaking. What what enabled you to kind of see that early on versus doing what most people do, which is taking some cut of ad spend? I mean, again, if you, again, if you think about the way how ad serving was formed, uh, uh, first and foremost, right, the idea of a third party ad server was all about I agency or I advertiser, should I actually pay the publisher for the impression that he served? And ad tax. That he claimed to serve, right? Yeah. And I wanted to actually measure, I wanted to be this uh, moment of truth where I can say, yes, the the publisher actually served my ad and therefore I pay him. And then what was considered serve my ad became a little more complex. In the beginning, it was just surfing the ad and it was about, hey, did someone click on the ad? Did this ad serve was served to the right audience in the brand safe environment and all of that? So that basically that question became a little more complex, but it was still about a question was an ad served. And as you can imagine, you cannot actually create your own homework, right? So as an ad server, almost by definition. Wait, Mark, you, what do you mean by that? You can't create your own homework. Meaning that if you are on the buy side, right? And one of the main reasons why it exists if to, is, it is to help your advertiser and your agency to find out whether you should pay money to the publishers because you served your ads. If you are now also a publisher, if you're also running a media business, you would actually measure yourself, right? And it's obviously a conflict of interest, which you cannot go with, right? And therefore, from the get-go, as an answer business, we knew that we never ever 
uh, have to own media, right? Uh, and therefore, if you look at uh, the legacy seismic business and the history and the culture of, of seismic, right, we always doubled down on the buy side and we never actually ran our own media business where we owned media or we had a principal risk in, in media. And that kind of DNA now is what we are now also applying to the DSP business, which we acquired from Rocket Fuel. And therefore, again, it's, it's in our DNA to run a fully transparent business um, and that's again what we're now what we're doing. Walk me through your brain. So there's a lot of very talented folks, CEOs I've listening to the show, and they're always considering which companies they're at today and are there better opportunities elsewhere. Um, how did the company incentivize you to join, and what excited you about this opportunity versus your last one, where it sounds like you drove some incredible growth? Uh, yeah, thanks for that. I mean, certainly Zaxxas was a fantastic uh, journey for me. You know, it was kind of uh, my first baby. And now I do think that Seismic is my, my second second baby. <laughs> and as much as I have two boys at home, uh, Seismic is, is my second one. And the main reason why um, I was intrigued and why I joined Seismic was this belief that there is actually a role to play as the biggest independent buy side stack in the world because advertisers and agencies, they need an alternative to Google, right? Uh, they need an alternative to Google and, uh, and Facebook and there won't be many alternatives, right? You have to have um, the scale, the stamina and the knowledge and expertise to build such a powerful alternative. And the vision of, of Seismic is exactly to be that alternative to really bring together all the ingredients that you have to have as a global stack Again, we talk about a DSP and a DMP, ad server, AI plus services on a global scale, right? Uh, that allows you then to serve the biggest of the big clients of the world. And that actually really excited me to be able to pull off such a, such a unique uh, organization. And uh, as we have seen over the last 12 months, with the acquisition of rocket fuel, with our repositioning of the company, uh, with uh, our focus on, on transparency, and also with the recent wins we have uh, in, in for some big, big spenders, right? I think we are on a good path to establish ourselves as the only one who can truly um, compete with uh, the double-click stack at global scale. I know that many of you have thought about launching your own online courses to help sell more of your software and other products, but a lot of you guys haven't started, myself included to be honest, it's too much work. You gotta have a landing page builder plus web hosting, probably some video hosting. You have to dabble around in WordPress. You have to mess with any commerce system, membership plugins. If you wanna get fancy, even affiliate software, the fact is it's too complicated. Now, all of this recently changed for me when I had the CEO of Thinkific on my show. You see, for many years, I've been building this content that I call the eight empires, but I've never been able to monetize it because I couldn't find an easy way to put it up and deal with members and consumption of the content. Well, it took me about 23 minutes to put this content up inside of my Thinkific course, which is great because I can then put that course right on my website. So here's what I did. I saw how easy it was. I then went live on Facebook. I drove two sales and 97 bucks each. And I was like, okay, wow, this works. I want to strike a deal with a CEO. So that's what I did. Any of you guys can use Thinkific today for one month totally free on the business plan. Everyone else, if they go to the regular website, they pay 99 bucks for that. But to start and launch your own course totally free for that first month, go to nathanlacka.com forward slash Thinkific. You'll also get 
owe over about $1,000 in other goodies that they make other people pay for. So go to nathanmica.com forward slash thinkific. All you have to do is put in your email, click agree, and then take the next steps to rock and roll. I'll see you there. And before you know it, you'll have your online course launched and making sales. That's nathanmica.com forward slash thinkific. How do you look at a company like MediaOcean and Bill Wise? I think Bill and MediaOcean have done a fantastic job. I mean, again, I was at Group M, and uh, as you can imagine, especially from a TV perspective, right? Uh, Group M has, has historically always uh, done a lot of business with MediaOcean, and I, I think the company, as well as Bill, also have done a tremendous job now expanding their capabilities into, into digital. Um. Seismic, I believe, was public, or it still is public. Um, what? what it, okay, was walk me through that. So I have had CEOs on before. They were public. They go private. They go public again, depending on what kind of capital needs they have. Give me the thinking behind there, or or, or did you join after they'd already gone so, private? So we started a conversation when, when Seismic was uh, still public, but with the knowledge that we want to actually take it private. And then we actually want to do the rollout with other players in the ecosystem. And you can actually do that much more easily in a non-public environment. Why is that, Mark? Because you lose your stock currency. Uh, The reason is that bringing companies together, right, and and forming a a new business model uh, just takes time, right? So if you actually have to report and justify yourself every quarter, you're much more short-term focused. Uh, However... Seismic and Rocket Fuel together, uh, it's not about the next quarter or the next uh, half year, right? We have a much more longer time horizon in mind. Let's talk about five years from now, right? Uh, And we will use the time to truly build uh, this fantastic company, which again means we have to bring together and we'll double down on technology. And again, that, for example, takes some time. Uh, um, And therefore, by having a much more strategic perspective on the business, uh, you typically can do that much better in a non-public environment. Now, how fast is the company growing in terms of year-over-year growth? Do you disclose that, and what are we guys looking at? Uh, actually, we do not disclose that. Uh, um, and again, uh, we have a much more, much more longer time horizon. So again, I'm not here uh, to say, hey, we have to grow month or month uh, in the, I don't know, hundreds of percents, right? It's much more what value can we create for advertisers and agencies in the long run, right? And how can we help them over a five-year period to truly help them to differentiate, right? And, and to attract more, more customers themselves. Uh, and that, again, the five-year perspective is, is the key uh, factor for us and what we can do over the time, time horizon. And also, thinking about us as an organization, uh, we know that scale matters. We know that there are huge opportunities in new areas, such as, let's say, programmatic TV, right? And therefore, you shouldn't be surprised if we uh, continue uh, on our M&A course, right? Uh, and not only uh, grow organically, but potentially also inorganically if the opportunity is is, uh, is there. Generally speaking, though, the, you're larger than the last reported numbers, which were in December, you know, 2015, I believe it was 170. I think top line gross income was 75 million. You, you're larger than that, right? You haven't. Okay. Uh, sure. Okay. Got it. Um, last two questions here. One's cryptocurrency related. One's acquisition related. When you look at acquisitions, um, do you look at acquiring a team? Do you look at just the tech and it's going to save you two years to build your own tech? Do you look at acquiring customers that you don't already have? How do you look at acquisitions? 
it, it's really both, right? It really is. It, it's both, right? Uh, on the one hand, there are new opportunities. Again, I mentioned programmatic TV, where we might be more looking into the talent and the technology, right? And then there are other areas uh, where we already have a good footprint, and therefore maybe we uh, look more into acquiring more um, relationships with advertisers. So again, it both is on the table, and it really is more dependent on um, what makes strategically sense for us, and, and more importantly for, for our clients. Blockchain is well known for its inability to process transactions at high velocity, uh, which is exactly what programmatic has to do in, in the form of billions and billions of billions. Do you ever see a solution where there is a blockchain oriented solution for programmatic bidding? I, 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 let me put it this way. I do hope in the interest of our industry, right? Uh, and but more important, also in the interest of consumers, that uh, whether it's now blockchain or some more advanced version of blockchain in the future, right, can help to solve two fundamental challenges. The first one is from an industry perspective to truly assign value to to each individual shareholder or stakeholder in our industry uh, so that actually he gets uh, remunerated accordingly. The stakeholders are who? Uh, people like ourselves, people like agencies, people like media and data providers, right? Yep. We focus as an industry too much on the input rather than on the output. And one of the reasons is that we just have a struggle to measure output. And the better we become in measuring the output, the more we can actually attach remunerations and compensation plans uh, uh, on that basis. The second piece is equally important if you think about consumers, right? They basically trade off data about themselves in return for typically free access to the internet. But unfortunately, we are not able as an industry to show them precisely how the trade-off actually works. How the what works? How the trade-off actually works, right? Uh, And so again, the hope is that blockchain or other cryptocurrencies can help us to really demonstrate uh, what a consumer is getting in return for us being able to use his data in his advantage, right? Because at the end of the day, we all want to continue to use the internet free of charge. But uh, there is, again, there is a trade-off. Someone needs to pay the fantastic uh, uh, people producing content. Um, and, and therefore, again, I do hope that uh, cryptocurrencies will help us in yeah, giving, giving more transparency in this kind of trade or for consumers so that they're more, more easily happy to share more data about themselves because they know they get even more value in return. Yep. My, I am most bullish on this because I'm testing many tools right now that basically assign a digital contract that legally gives me ownership of my data. And then when I have that, I have no problem selling all of it to people that get value from it. Like my financial data sells for a lot of money for obvious reasons. Um, is that what you're articulating around? That's kind of the ideas? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Yep. All right. Very good, Mark. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. One word answers. Number one, what's the last business book you read? Uh, the last one was Predictably Irrational by Dan O'Reilly. Number two, is there a CEO you are following or studying right now? I always started and will continue to study Steve Jobs. Number three, what's your, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Zoom, actually, so that you can do video conferencing across the globe. Zoom, and we had Eric on a few episodes ago. The growth there is an incredible. Be sure to go catch that episode where he shares revenue numbers. Uh, number four, Eric, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, uh, Mark, sorry. Left- Mark, why'd you let me call you Eric? Mark, how many hours of sleep? 
<laughs> no worries. Uh, actually, I, I'm not getting my eight hours, uh, but I found that I can replace one hour of sleep with one hour of running. <laughs> oh, Mark, we just lost your audio. I can't hear you. Mark, we just lost your audio. I can't hear you. And Mark, what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Uh, married, two, two boys, uh, three and eight years old. Wow. And how old are you? I'm 45. 45. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, advice here really is about you should really know or find out what you are passionate about, what you're really good at, and really focus on it and stick. Guys, so there, it, yeah. there you have it from Mark. Focus and find out early on what you're really good at. Focus on it. Go all in. He had success at his previous company as COO. He's now joined, obviously, the Seismic team. Take it at private, really, to accelerate potential M&A things that allow him to have a longer-term approach with things like cost overlaps and additional synergies. He's playing in a space that's very hot and the, being really one of the largest, if not the largest, buy-side platform out there. We'll see if blockchain uh, stirs up the industry. I'm sure Mark will be at the forefront. Mark, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks so much for taking the time.